Father, we do, uh, we do lift up what's going on, Lord. We're sitting here in a great, comfortable building and able to lift up our hearts and hands, and, and that seems so far away, so distant to us. And yet there are brothers and sisters who uh, love you and want to serve you. So, God, we pray for just a mighty move of your spirit. Lord, work in that situation. And, Lord, our hearts are always that people would be delivered and, and brought out of those situations. But, God, I know that you know exactly what's going on. You know exactly what's happening. None of this caught you by surprise. It seems like it sort of caught some of us, but, Lord, it's not caught you by surprise. And I thank you that we can commit those people into your hands, Lord, and know that your will will be done. So work mightily there. And tonight, as we get into your word, I pray that, Lord, it wouldn't, once again, wouldn't just be words on pages, but, Lord, that you would affect our lives. That, God, as we read and begin to understand things, that, Lord, our, our hearts and our lives would be changed. And, and, Lord, that we would be drawn close to you and near to you. Bless this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, as we're continuing here, we're going to back up and look at some of what we looked at last week, and and because uh, I think it's important. It's interesting some of the songs we we're singing, and and you know sometimes I sing the songs and I think, do we really mean those words? We sing them, and you know sometimes lift up our hands. But are they real for us? Are they, are they real in our hearts? Because they're supposed to be. And Paul here, writing to this church, once again, remember, he's in prison. He's writing to these guys. And we finally get in chapter four into a little bit what, what conflict was going on because he kind of hints at it throughout the letter. And then we find out it's these two, I almost said two chicks. So I guess I shouldn't say that, right? Two ladies. I guess you're not supposed to say that from the pulpit. Two ladies who are having an issue and uh, messing up. And... Listen, Paul addresses that in such a way that he's letting us know, how do we deal with conflict? And part of dealing with conflict, number one, I think is hitting it straight on. But then he brings up the fact that we need to be gentle, we need to rejoice, we need to pray, we need to meditate. And listen, all of that, all the things that we're going to look at tonight have back up, back into that. This is how we deal with conflict. This is how we deal with difficulties in our life. This is how we deal with the issues that come up. And and the problems, and we need to understand that, not just read it from the Bible, we gotta integrate it into our hearts and believe it. Now, Descartes, I don't know how many of you know philosophy, Descartes said, I think, therefore I am. Paul says, I think, therefore I do. Big difference. And we're gonna kind of look at that tonight and how does he deal with situations? How does he deal? We're gonna talk about anxiety again. How does he deal with worry? I wrote down something. I thought this was kind of funny. I looked this up and it's kind of funny. There's a, there's a whole website on worrying in case you need to worry. You can kind of look up things you need to worry about. But so I was reading one book and they said most of the things we worry about, like 98% of the things we worry about are never going to happen, and there's something that, 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 like, number one, is completely out of our control and never going to happen. This falls into those categories. So here's, here's some worry things. I worry that when my coworkers get a lottery pool and I don't join in and they win, I will have to do all the work by myself. <laughs> it's a good thing to worry about, right? 
I worry that when ice skating, this is my favorite, I will fall and then another skater passes by and the blade of his skate will slice off my finger. Like, listen, we kind of laugh, but some of us get into those modes, right? And it's like, seriously? Oh, here's a couple more. This is, this is a fun one for our cat people. I worry that my cat will sit on my face while I'm sleeping and I will suffocate. <laughs> I worry that there are spiders and bugs. Now, this may be true for a lot of us. I worry that there may be spiders and bugs when I go to bed and they will crawl all over me and get into my ears, my mouth, and my nose. Some of you are going to have a really bad night tonight, I can tell, right? How about this one? This is a fun one. I worry that one day they will stop making chocolate and then I will starve to death. <laughs> so listen, we kind of laugh and stuff, but, but how many of us spend so much of our energy worrying and fretting about things? And you know, I, I think we all can relate, right? Uh, you know, maybe a lot of us aren't real, real big worriers, but man, something hits and, and you, you know, you don't sleep all night. You're thinking about it, you're mulling over it, you're going through it. And usually, usually, listen, it's something that's completely out of our control. So we're gonna talk about that a little bit. And then I listed these. Here's some phobias, right? There's a lot of different phobias going on, but I listed someone, the, the list said these are the top 10. Necrophobia is the fear of death or dead things. Most of us know that. Now, this one's kind of interesting. Brontophobia is the fear of thunderstorms. Be a bad time to be around here, right? Carcino car carcinophobia is the fear of cancer. This one's kind of gross. This will take away your whole hunger thing. Emetophobia is the fear of vomit. I didn't even know that existed. Acrophobia is the fear of heights, claustrophobia, being trapped. Uh, agoraphobia is someone that's a, a, afraid that they're going to get into a place and they can't get out, and they have that fear. Uh, aerophobia, fear of flying. And then, and then here's one that's just like, how, how come that one's so normal? Sociophobia, obviously a fear of social things and social events, and you get afraid. And then one that a lot of people, I was kind of shocked how many people, uh, arachnophobia, fear of spiders, right? So we have those things. So listen, just to list all that so we're in this mood that we can lay all that down. We have these issues in our life and some of us maybe even relate to some of those phobias. And listen, we can't allow those kind of things to control our lives. And in circumstances that maybe bring some of those things out of us, we need to deal with them properly. And here's Paul's remedy I'm gonna say it really quick and then we'll go back and study it. Here's what we need to do is quit focusing on issues, situations, circumstances, and focus on God. And, and you know, and, and, and go to him and trust him. So back in verse six, I know we looked at it last time, but verse six, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus or through Christ Jesus. So listen, here's what he's saying. Be anxious for nothing, and nothing means nothing. And I find it interesting that this is a command, not a suggestion, and keep in context of what we're looking at. We're looking at conflict. We're looking at things that are going on. And here's what Paul says. Don't be anxious about that. Stop it. 
Now, I'm a firm believer that we can choose to stop things with our mind. I believe Scripture teaches that we can control our mind and we can control those things. And we'll get to that in a moment, in a little bit. But listen, he says, just stop being anxious. And how do I quit being anxious? By taking everything to God in prayer. In other words, I need to quit being anxious and I need to trust this sovereign, omnipotent being who created everything, who loves me, and I need to put it in his hands and I need to believe that. So he says, listen, don't be anxious, stop it, Let be anxious for nothing, but everything, everything, I need to go to the Lord in prayer and I need to present things to him in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. So prayer, we looked at last time. Prayer is just the general word. Like, and, and it always cracks me up. Some people get like really hung up on prayer. All prayer is is talking to God. It's all it is. You don't have to be fancy. You don't have to use special language. You know, you don't have to talk to God in King James. He was around way before King James English was around. It's always, it's, you know, it always like cracks me up when I hear people do that. Anything. Do they think like God is stuck in this 17th century England and, and that's how he speaks? He was way before that. So listen, just pour your heart. I believe God wants to hear our hearts. He wants us drawn close to him. And here's what he says, instead of being anxious, why don't you go to the Lord? And why don't you talk to him? And that's prayer in general. Supplication is getting more specific. And if you remember last time we talked about the lady who went to G. Campbell Morgan because he says in everything, right? In everything, pray. What does everything mean? Everything. And I know some people get real uptight. Well, I don't think you should pray for little things. And if you remember last week we talked about the lady who went to G. Campbell Morgan. I love the Brits. She goes to him and says, you know, should I take my little things to God and, and should I pray about him? And he goes, madam, like a Brit would, can you list one thing that would be good to all, or big to almighty God? We think, we're, we think that everything in our life is little compared to God and who he is. So don't get all uptight about thinking I can't take little things to him, you know? So hey, just talk to God. A good friend of mine harassed me one time, do you guys ever pray about what to wear? I do sometimes. Because sometimes I'm like really like confused and I don't wanna, I don't wanna like dress myself and come up and in front of you guys and look like a real dork. So if Gaynell's not around, I'm in the closet, Lord show me what to wear. Really, and I told a friend that once and he goes, God doesn't care what you wear. I think he does. I think God cares about everything in my life. And I think he's wanting to guide and direct us. I think he wants to be intimately involved in our lives. Here's what I know. My wife cares what I wear, right? She wants, she's like, guys, all the guys relate to this. You ever start to go out the house and your wife says, you gonna go out in that? Not anymore, right? All the guys are shaking their heads, right? So, hey, if our wives care, don't you think God cares more? Sure he does. So, listen, so he's saying in everything, everything with prayer and supplication, supplications being more specific, but I think this is the important part. With thanksgiving, we need to be thankful that we can come to a God who cares, 
a God who's involved in our lives, a God who sent his son to die for us, and we need to come with that kind of attitude, not, not coming fearful, not coming afraid of God, you know, and, and I think some people kind of get into that mode, and, and here's the thing, they're afraid God is like gonna be mad at them. He's not gonna be mad at you. Wasn't there a song for a while, he's not mad at you, come as you are, right? God's not mad at you. He sent his son to die for you. Now listen, I understand the issue of sin and how sin affects a holy God. I get that. But he sent his son to die for us. Don't you think he wants that relationship? And, and again, he desires that in us to come to him and love him. And he says, listen, so we need to be people, man. We're thankful. We're thankful for the relationship we have. We're thankful for what God does in our lives. Even when it's difficult Here's what I know. God brings things in my life that I need. I may not know I need them, and I may not want them, and they may not be something that I want to go through right now. But I have to trust God. I have to trust him with the things that he brings to me. So he says, with thanksgiving, and, and then he says, listen, he says, let your request be made known to God, and here's the big part, and the peace of God. We talked about that last time. Listen, that peace isn't just a cessation of anxiety. That peace is a relationship with him that is like, like just bringing the whole, it's, I, I love one person put it this way, it's wholeness. You just have that wholeness about you and you understand because God brings that in your life. And here's what I know, only through prayer can the Holy Spirit accomplish that in my life in a lot of my circumstances because some of my circumstances, they stink. They're not fun. They're not something I would choose for myself. But if I go to him with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, all of a sudden I experience that wholeness, that peace from God and that harmony with God in the midst of that situation. And that's what he's talking about. And why is it beyond understanding, he says? Because it's only the Holy Spirit who can do that. Hey, you can't conjure these things up in your life. You can't just make them happen. It's the Holy Spirit working in you. And many of you, I'm sure, can testify how you get it on the other side of something and you go, wow, I cannot believe I walked through that in one piece. That's the Holy Spirit. That's him working in us, giving us that peace. So that's what he's talking about there and, and in verses six and seven. Now, listen, those are kind of easy to say and easy to talk about, and, and, you know, and, and we do that. And again, the issue here is trusting an infinite, holy, good, gracious God in the midst of situations. Don't be anxious, but pray. Trust him. Now, I think he gives us a little bit more because for some of us, listen, some of us, we're still gonna walk through things and we may even do that, but man, we're still gonna, do you ever, do you ever give it to God and take it back? Yes. You come to him all in prayer, you're all holy and you come to him in prayer, God, you can just have this and you walk out, you walk away from that prayer time and you go, oh, wait, I forgot something. And you grab that issue, that situation, that circumstance and you grab it back. How do we defeat that? How do we fight that? I believe by renewing our minds. Have you noticed in scripture, in Proverbs, how it talks about the mind? Have you noticed how in the New Testament it talks about the mind? What does he tell us in Romans? Renew your mind. 
What does he tell us in Ephesians, right? Put on the helmet of salvation. What does he tell us in Corinthians? Put on that, that guide, guard your minds. So it's, a, I think, listen, I think it is a mental thing. And I think Paul is telling you and I, in situations and hard circumstances, we need to think. Or we might put it this way, meditate. I know for some of us, it's like you're thinking of meditating as, um, we're not talking about that, right? Meditating biblically is like chewing something over and over and over and over, going over it in your mind. Not being empty and mindless, but focusing on the word of God, focusing, well, he tells us six things here, right? So listen to what he says. Finally, in verse eight, oh, finally doesn't mean he's like finishing because he's not the pastor who says finally and then goes on for 13 more verses. So listen, he's not saying that. He's saying, you know, including these things, bringing them in. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, and he says, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Now, let's kind of work this backward because he's telling us we need to meditate on these things and he's just listed them. And I think it's important, I think it's important that we understand as Christians, we need to be thinkers. We need to not empty our minds. We need to not be people who are taking a blind leap of faith. We need to be thinkers. And as he lists these six things, and we're gonna define them and talk about them in a moment, listen, that should take us into a deeper place with our God and a greater understanding of him and a greater understanding of who he is and a greater understanding of how he works. So in my circumstance, I can know that my God can handle that and my God can take care of that. So meditation, listen, I think it's important that we stop and we think about what we read. I believe our quiet time, listen, I know we push reading through the Bible in a year. I don't think that should be your quiet time. I think that should just be something you do as a Christian, right? Because uh, I like to use this example. As humans, we breathe, right? You guys are sucking in and blowing out, right? Most of you. Some of you are just sucking in. But listen, we breathe and we don't even think about it, do we? It's not something our brine, our brines or brains our brains are tuned to that. We just, we just do it. Why? Because it's, it's how we stay alive, how we survive. I think that should be our Bible reading through the year. Just, it's just taking big chunks. Listen, you can meditate on big chunks. You're taking big chunks, and you're just getting a Bible in your heart. And I think, listen, I think it gives us a working knowledge of the Bible. So I think we should just be doing that. But for our quiet time, for our devotion time, I think we should just be taking little bits and meditate on them. Think about what you read. Think about what does it mean. Think about how it's absorbing into you and just sit and, and go over it and over it and over it. Someone says biblical meditation is like chewing the cud. I've never chewed my cud, so I'm not sure how that goes, but I kind of get what, what, what they're talking about. You just go over it and over it and over it. So here's what he says. He lists these things and then he says, those are the things, listen carefully, those are the things I'm supposed to focus on. I'm not supposed to focus on this ominous thing that's coming my way. I need to focus on these things. So he starts out, right? He starts out here and he says, whatever things are true. So we need to focus on truth, right? And where do we find truth? In God's word. 
and we get on that truth and we start focusing on truth. Listen, in our culture, we're in a place where things are very pragmatic and people will say, hey, if it works, it must be true. That's not, that's not true. People will say, if it makes me feel better, it must be true. We're living in a time where I think we're in a real dangerous time. We're living in a time where people are picking and choosing and, and trying to, you know, hey, if this is real for me, then it's true. Well, not necessarily. The only way we're going to find truth is getting in God's word. And he says, listen, meditate. Whatever things are true, meditate on these things. Get involved in them. And, and we'll talk about the opposite in a moment. So he says, listen, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, I wrote down noble is proper motives and morals and something dignified, worthy of respect. That's what we need to think about. And, and he says, so listen, and, and most of us, we don't even think of that word anymore, right? And I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us have this whole section memorized, right? You got Philippians 6 and 7 memorized and you got Philippians 8 memorized and we just kind of, Here's the sad thing, and then we recite it like we're parrots. And we don't stop and think about it. Do you read that word noble? Do you ever think about what does that word mean? Do you look that word up? And listen, it's good to know original language, but how about just the word noble? And so we, how can we meditate on it if we don't know what it means? And he says, you gotta get involved in those things and, and stop and, and, and meditate on those things. And then he says, listen, whatever things are just. We could go for hours, couldn't we, in our generation? Whatever things are just. I wrote down uh, that which is in the right relationship with God and man. What is in perfect harmony with God's eternal, unchanging standards, that which is revealed in Scripture. So whatever things are just, I think in 2021, we need to be a people who we understand just and unjust. And not defined by our culture, not defined by, by what is happening or what feels good, but what does God define as just? And what does God define as unjust? And we need to learn that. And the only way we're gonna learn that, again, is scripture, but meditate on those things. Put our mind to knowing those things. Get involved with them. Don't just, listen, don't just memorize Philippians 4.8, but begin to get Philippians 4.8 inside of you and take the time to do those things. And, and so we think about what is just and, 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 and thinking about that. And, and again, I think, I think that's one of the, major issues in our culture today. There's wars being fought culturally that should never be fought. And some of them are make-believe in my mind. And we as believers need to understand that and we need to be discerning about that. So he says, listen, man, we need to be people who we meditate on the things that are, 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 are uh, just. And then I love this one whatever things are pure. Doesn't pure just sound good? You just go, pure. Pure is undefiled, right? We can say clean, and I'm thinking morally. Morally clean, undefiled. Again, in this culture that we live in called the United States of America, it's pretty hard to focus on pure moral things 
Our culture is so about unpure. Is that a word? Impure, I guess. Well, let's use unpure. That way we'll remember it, right? You got those things going on. Listen, and it's gross out there. And, and sometimes we fill our minds with that. And then we wonder, listen, we wonder why we make bad decisions. We wonder why we're going that direction instead of this direction. It's in your mind. And we need to be people who we, listen, we're gonna fight against that. And we're gonna begin to meditate on the things that are pure. Think about in your quiet time, just think about in your quiet time if you just did this list every morning. And just thought about, listen, not just recited it, but you go, man, I wanna meditate on truth. I wanna meditate on just things. I wanna meditate on noble things. Man, I wanna meditate on pure things. Do you know what that would, if you just spent some time doing that, do you know what your day would look like when you went to face it? Way different, way different. So he says, listen, that which is pure, and then he says, whatever things are lovely. Now that's a hard one, right? I mean, I even read that, even the definitions I found about this, it says beautiful, attractive, and pleasing. I'm thinking, well, that's kind of weird, you know, because beauty's in the eye of the beholder, right? And you kind of got all that going on. And I thought, well, that's, that's, I kind of get the literal translation or, or definition, but I'm thinking, I don't know if that's good. And then I get this, and I got some synonyms, sweet, gracious, generous, or patient. And then I wrote this down. If I'm gonna meditate on the things that are lovely, I wrote this down. I wanna focus my thoughts on what the Bible says is lovely and attractive. What does the Bible say? And once again, that comes back to knowing the word, right? We gotta know what the Bible says about that. So we need to put our hearts into that and, and think about that. So then the last one, whatever is of good report, and I think that's praiseworthy or appealing or talking about that. So here's what Paul says. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, present our requests to God, let our requests be made known to God, right? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I memorized that in two different versions, so I know I'm mixing it up, but it's okay. And then he says this, and he goes, hey, finally, or to wrap it all up, let's think about this. And then he gives us this list of six things. And if we just stop on every day, we begin to meditate. Listen, I don't think this was written necessarily for us to memorize and parrot. I think it was written for us to believe and practice. Again, what did I start with? Descartes says, I think, therefore I am. Paul says this, I think, therefore I do. And it should affect our lives. It should affect how we treat one another. It should affect how I approach things. It should affect my conversation throughout the day. It should affect everywhere I go. If I've really meditated on these things, and I know some of you go, dude, I'm not gonna do this every morning. That's okay. Do it once a week. But it's gonna change how you look at things. And we need to be a people who, I'm thinking through issues. I'm not just going to accept what the world tells me. And even greater than that, I'm not just gonna accept what somebody else tells me. I'm gonna get in my word, and I'm gonna find out what it says. And I'm gonna find those things out and I'm gonna to begin to allow that to govern my life and guide my life and take me through my life. So, so that's what he says then, 
Here's the part that I like. Then Paul says this. Oh, I was going to read. Listen, I was going to read. Jesus says this. Let me, let me quote Jesus before we go on. Here's what Jesus says. Do you remember? It's in Matthew 16. The Pharisees and the Sadducees came testing him and asked him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Here's what they're saying. I want an emotional motivation. And that's what a lot of us say. A lot of us say, I don't care about what's true. I don't care about what's noble. I don't care about what's pure. I don't care about what's just. I want some emotion here, Pat. I want to be moved emotionally. And I think getting moved emotionally is good. But we can't just go by our emotions. So here's what these guys are saying. They're saying to Jesus, can you give us a sign that will satisfy our emotions? Listen to his answer, because this is kind of intense, right? We want a sign that's going to satisfy our emotions. And Jesus said in verse 2, he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today for the sky is red and threatening. So here's what he's saying. You guys, you guys can tell the weather by, you look at the sky and you know what's going on, right? That's kind of simple. And then he yells this, hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. A wicked and adulterous generation seeks after a sign, and no sign shall be given to it except the sign of the prophet of Jonah. And then he walked away. It's kind of a mic drop moment, right, in our culture. It's like Jesus got done and went, and walked off the stage. What is he telling them? Think. Think, if we are governed by emotion, we are going to make a bad decision 90% of the time. We need to be governed by fact, by truth, and let's just get back into it. We need to be governed by whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is just, whatever is pure. Are you with me on that? That should be what governs us, not just some emotional things. So now getting back to it, here's what Paul says. I think, therefore I do. Verse nine, these things, now, I'm sorry, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw saw on me or in me, these do and the God of peace will be with you. You hear what he just said? Listen, he just gave him a list and said, you meditate on these things. And then here's what he said. When I was with you, remember, he's not with them now, right? He's in prison. He's in Rome. They're in Philippi. And he says, the things, the things, right, which you learned from me, I taught you. I opened up scripture to you. I poured into you while I was there. Wasn't there a long time? He was there a little bit longer than Thessalonica that we're looking at on the weekends. But he says, listen, the things that you learned, I gave you, you learned them, you got them in your brain. The things that you learned, and I love, listen, I love how he keeps going. It wasn't just learned, they also received So here's the thing. You didn't reject it when I was speaking to you. And here's what happens. We're in church and we go, yes. And we go out the doors and go, no. (laughs) Right? We're we're like excited and motivated and we go out and something happens in our life and our life blows up in front of us and we're like, I can't even, what do you mean meditate on these things? I can't even meditate. I'm, I'm like dealing with this. And we get all emotional and we get run. Hey, we all do that. If you're sitting there going, not me, shame on you. You're lying in church. 
So this is how those things happen, right? And here's what Paul says. You learned and you received. I love that. Paul had confidence that the ministry that he did in Philippi was effective in their lives. As a pastor, my biggest prayer is what we do here on Thursday night and Saturday night and Sunday morning will be effective throughout your life, not just throughout the week, throughout your life. And it's changing you and molding you and shaping you and giving you the right vision of God and the right understanding of your circumstances and what we're doing. So he says, listen, not only did you learn it from me, you received it from me, and then here's the kicker. But you also saw it in me. I believe as a teacher of God's word, I have a responsibility to live my life a little bit different. I hold myself to a higher standard. I don't expect I don't expect any of you to hold me to a higher standard. A couple people got that. But I hold, in other words, don't judge me. So. But listen, I need to live in such a way that I'm not a hypocrite. And I need to live in such a way that what I teach you, that I'm doing. Here's what Paul says, man. I'm not just teaching you from Scripture. I'm teaching you from scripture applied to my life. And I love that idea. And I know, listen, I know there are some who would say, don't, you know, what, what's the famous saying? Don't do as I do, but do as I say. Did you ever have your parents say that to you? Yeah, I did. Like my parents, my, my mom smoked like a train. And she'd say, well, don't smoke. And I go, well, you smoke. What's the matter with you? And, you know, this is just an example where did I get my first cigarette? Mom. She didn't give them to me. That, I don't want you to think my mom's going, here, because I was real young when I started smoking. And I don't, think, I don't want you to think my mom goes, here, man, have a cigarette. But where did I get my first one? Stealing them from my mom. Why? Because she smoked. And especially if you're a dad, man, your, your kids want to be like dad. And they want to imitate us. And then I think the same Christianity. Do you have people you look up to in Christianity? Well, they need to live a life worthy, right? And again, that's not that we're judging one another and doing that. I don't want to get into all that because none of us are the Holy Spirit and, and that's not our job. But listen, we're called, all of us are called to live a life that would exemplify what we believe because we're sharing with the world. But even more so, those who willingly take up the mantle to teach God's word. And, you know, the Bible's very clear. Paul talks about the Timothy, talks about it to Titus, you know, and, and James talks about teachers are going to incur a stricter judgment. So you have that understanding. And, and listen, it, it always, like, cracks me up is when younger people go, man, I still want to be a pastor. I go, really? You really want to do this? And they're thinking of the beautiful part. And they're not thinking of the part, hey, Number one, if I want to be a pastor, I need to start living my life different. I remember when I felt called to go into, into teaching and I really felt like I was called to, to go into the ministry, I changed a lot of things in my life at that moment. I wasn't in that position, but I changed things because here's what I thought. I want to do that. I need to live different now. I need to hold myself accountable. So that's what Paul says. Listen, not only did they learn, not only did they receive, but they saw Paul. I love this, man. You guys saw it in me. And he's writing again from prison. Now, we're watching it in him as he's writing this letter, right? 
I don't know, you know, like maybe you guys are way more spiritual than I am, but I don't know if I could like pour out my heart to people and encourage them and tell them stuff if I'm in prison. I think I'm gonna be pouring out my heart like, get me out of here now. Come and get me. I don't care about you guys. I don't care what's going on in your life. I'm in jail and I'm gonna lose my head tomorrow maybe. So, so I would, I'm just being real. And here's Paul. You know what? Those two ladies, I almost said it again. Those two ladies are fighting Yodi and Sentichi, and you need to, listen, ladies, you need to get along, and you need to be people who you're doing this with meekness and gentleness, and you need to rejoice in the Lord, and again, I'll say it again, you need to rejoice, and not only that, don't be anxious for everything, so, so we're going on, and this is the guy, listen, look at me and do what I do. I love that. What scripture is it, and I don't remember, where he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul wasn't afraid to say, look at my life. So here he says, listen, he says, what you saw and heard in me, these do. Now, here's the kicker of it once again. And what does he say? And the God of peace will be with you. What did he say at the end of verse 7? He says, and the peace of God, which transcends, surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Now think on these things and meditate on these things and remember what you learned from me and received from me and you saw in me. And he says, you do those things and what's gonna happen? Not the peace of God is coming. What does he say? The God of peace is coming in your life. Ooh, yeah. You wanna live an anxious, free life? Just practice, I was gonna say first Philippians, Philippians chapter four. Let's just go one through, let's just go one through nine. And get those in your heart, get those in your life. And when you hit those difficult times, those circumstances that kind of wipe you out, listen carefully. Take it to the Lord. Turn to him. And he says, hey guys, Guess what? When you do that, and a lot of us can testify to this in, in our times of trials and tribulations, the God of peace will be with you. Amen. Huh, there was a song. Wasn't there a song we sang? Another in the fire? Do you know you're never gonna experience another in the fire unless you get in the fire? Have you ever noticed that? You ever figured that out in your life? Hey, we live, you know, that, I mean, that sounds all cool, but don't put me in the fire. The way you're going to experience that is get in the fire and walk through fire. And I believe, listen, I believe the only way you're going to experience the God of peace is to get in circumstances that aren't so peaceful. Now, I'm not telling you to go be a jerk for Jesus and cause problems and do things on your own and go, oh, I'm being persecuted. But I'm also telling you this. Don't dodge those times. None of us would choose some of the things we've walked through for ourselves. We would never ask God for that circumstance in our lives. But there's a lot of us sitting here tonight can testify that the God of peace met us in that circumstance and got us through that circumstance. He didn't, he didn't take it away, but he got us through it, another in the fire. So here's what Paul says, do all that. Now, I wanna I want kind of wrap it up with this. So listen to this. Uh, before I get into this, let's do this finally, brethren. So, in closing, this is a joke, right? 
So, but first I want to do this. Before we get into the other one, I want to do this. Thomas Brooks, this is an old dead guy. Here's what he says. A lazy Christian shall always want four things. So think about this in your life. If I'm picking on you, I'm sorry. If this like hits a nerve, oops, right? But he says a lazy Christian will want for these four things. Comfort, contentment, confidence, and assurance. And then he says this. God has made a separation between joy and idleness. Hmm. You see, you can't be a kumquat Christian. Holiness and maturity in the Lord is not gonna come by osmosis. Gotta walk through a few things. Now the contrast, let's look at this real quick. Whatever is true, he says, focus on whatever's true. Listen, not whatever is false, not whatever is untrustworthy, or not whatever is imagined. Are you kind of getting? This, will, I think, kind of helps some of us. Whatever is noble, not shameful, twisted, or foolish. Whatever is just, not wrong, sinful, or rebellious. Whatever is pure, not tainted, coarse, or immoral. Whatever is lovely, I love this, not distorted or offensive. Oh, Whatever is good, report, not gossipy. Oh, there's a big one, huh? There's the one we got to think about. How many of us? Never mind. <laughs> Slanderous or sarcastic? Well, sarcasm, sarcasm can be good. <laughs> Whatever is uh, excellent, I have written down here because it's from another translation, so that would be whatever is uh, of good report. Listen, he says, uh, uh, not inferior or wasteful or flawed, and then whatever's worthy of praise, not objectional, insulting, or evil. Can you kind of see? Listen, I read those other ones, and I think, I focus, on I focus on the other more than I focus on what he's telling me to focus on. And we need to think about that in our lives, and we need to begin to be people who we want to focus on whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's just, whatever's pure, and just go down that, whatever's loving, go down that list and get in that mode and here's what I know. Your perspective of the world will change and your perspective of what you're walking through will change. Let's stand up and pray. Lord, we do thank you tonight. We thank you for your word and Lord, just a, just a couple verses tonight, and yet they're powerful. Lord, these, these, just these four verses have a lot to say about our relationship with you and our relationship with the world around us. And again, God, I know that a lot of us memorize these, we, and, and that's a good thing. We commit them to memory. We hide them in our heart. We, we put them there, but God, it's got to be more than that. These are not four verses of some magical incantation that's gonna make everything, everything come up roses. But it's truth that can change our world view. And I pray, God, I pray that we would be people, especially in our generation, in our culture, what's going on around us right now, that we would be people that we would focus on such things. And God, that you would get the glory in our lives. 
And that, Lord, as we walk through these things, we would be an example to the world around us. We could be just like Paul and tell people around us, hey, follow me. Look at the things I do and do these things and the God of peace will be with you. How wonderful that would be to say to our family, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers. So God, be glorified in our lives. And, and I'm gonna ask you to stay in an attitude of prayer just for a couple more moments. And you know what? If you are here tonight and you've never asked Jesus to save you, you've never asked him to forgive your sins, come into your life and, and change you, tonight's the night to do that. Right now is the time to do that. Don't put it off. My Bible says today is the day of salvation. Call on his name and you will be saved. And the way we call on his name is, listen, is just being real with God. You need to come to the place where you can tell God that you know you're a sinner. I think that's a hard thing for us. I think all of us know we're sinners, but we don't want to tell God we know we're sinners. You got to come to that place. Let God know that you know you're a sinner. And then, here's the great news. Then ask him to forgive your sin. And it's not a problem for God because his son went to the cross, paid the wages of your sin, which is death. He's paid that, not just physical death, separation from God, he paid that. And now, if you call on his name, he holds out this receipt to you and he says, hey, your debt is paid in full. Take this. So tonight, I'm gonna lead you in a prayer and, and it's just gonna be a prayer that I, I like to say, it's calling on the name of the Lord. It's gonna be a prayer for you to say and some people say, are you gonna put words in my mouth? Well, yeah, kinda. And it's okay. Say this prayer with me. Listen, if you want to be saved tonight, say this prayer with me and God will hear you and your life will be changed. If you're backslidden, come home. Come back to Jesus. If you're watching online, hey, right where you're at, right in your home, you can say this prayer and, and call on the name of the Lord. So say this with me. Jesus, tonight I confess to you that I am a sinner. God, I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm sorry that I sinned against you. And so now, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you tonight that you died for me. Jesus, I want you to come into my heart and change me. I want you to come into my life and guide me. Tonight, I want, to be, I want you to be my Lord and my Savior. Savior. 